You're listening to the Word of Life AG podcast. We're so glad you're getting caught up on the message. This week, Pastor Tom brought us a great message titled, Trusted Over Admired. Let's get right into it. Good morning, Word of Life. Wonderful to be able to come and be here and gather together. Um, Do you like the person you sat next to? I guess it worked out real well. That's awesome. Come on, can we welcome everyone that's a part of church today online? So glad you guys were able to be a part of everything. So we have water baptisms coming up this week. I speak for myself personally as a Christian. When I went through water baptism, it was a wonderful moment. I had the opportunity for my dad to baptize me, and it was a great moment, a, a real um, you know, line-in-the-sand moment uh, in my life of faith. And so it's a commandment. It's something that Jesus asked for um, all believers to go ahead and go through water baptism. And I think if you speak to Christians and believers, that people will echo that water baptism was a wonderful moment for them. It was a real uh, you know, important event in their spiritual life. And so if you have not gone through water baptism yet, um, or if you have questions about it, or perhaps you did that as a baby and you're wondering what that means for you now you're an adult, or perhaps you're older. And so if you wanted to get in touch with us here at the office, we'd be happy to talk to you about that. And just so everyone knows, if you get in touch with us and ask questions about water baptism, you're not signing yourself up, you just may have questions. So please don't feel this pressure that if you get in touch with us and say, hey, I'm interested in water baptism, next thing you know is we're ushering you to the front of the line. Okay, it's just getting in touch with us with questions. Is that all good? Wonderful. Um, So this week, uh, the pastoral staff here at the church, we had a chance to go um, all the way to Liverpool, New York, and be a part of a minister's conference. So uh, we, the Assemblies of God in New York, they have an annual conference. We gather together. It's the first time since COVID shut down that the pastors were invited to come together. And so all the Assemblies of God ministers around the state were invited to come be a part of this conference. And so uh, the pastoral staff from Word of Life were able to go and be a part of that. And it was awesome. I had a wonderful time. I think from around the state, there was uh, over 200 pastors that were there and ministers and people involved in different aspects of ministry that were able to be there. It was awesome. But uh, some real highlights that I wanted to share with the church that I think you should be aware of because I was really blown away. There's some things that really stood out to me. The first thing is they had a kids program for pastors and church leaders that were uh, coming from uh, you know, around the state. There were a few hours drive away, unlike us, so it's a hop, skip, and a jump. But for the people that were staying uh, you know, for the conference overnight that had brought their kids, they had a kids program that ran for the duration of the conference. It is unbelievable how many people from Word of Life were a part of the kids team that made that possible. Shana Phipps, well played, well played, um, but wonderful. So thank you for everyone from Word of Life that went and made that possible. I know it blessed a bunch of pastors that brought their kids, and their kids had a whale of a time, even the ones that I heard Shana yelling at. Yeah, huh? So... It was also really good to see Pastor Mike was there, and um, so his son Josh is a chaplain in the area, and so uh, one of the days Josh brought his kids, uh, so that's Pastor Mike's grandsons, and it was really cool, because at one moment I was there, and Pastor Mike is in worship, and he's got his grandkids with him, and that just blew me away. That really melted my heart. It was really good. It was nice to see Pastor Mike not being in trouble either. And then uh, Annie Bullard, who was just up here, she helped to sort of give some uh, announcements and updates and things that are going on. So Ali's a massive part of the church, and she also heads up a ministry that goes into strip clubs around the Syracuse area, exposing them to God's love, does wonderful ministry. We love Annie to death. Um, But she was able to not only showcase the ministry that she's a part of, and so all these churches from around New York now know the great stuff that she's a part of, but she was also invited to come and teach a session uh, on how to leadership and how to do vocational ministry well and with excellence. Uh, And it was great to be able to see Annie's gifting least like that. So um, come on, how many of you are glad to be part of a church where good things are happening? 
And for what it's worth, Annie did awesome. She shared a great message, and I'm sure everyone there was mighty blessed by it. And uh, so that was really cool. So I want to talk a little bit today about being a follower of Jesus. Being a follower of Jesus. And one of the things about being a follower of Jesus, and it's uh, the kind of language that we use, we talk about, you know, I'm following Jesus, and we talk about the, when we first become a Christian, we say, when I started following Jesus, we talk about this idea of being a follower. And one of the aspects of being a follower in a biblical context is that we're also an imitator. To follow Jesus is to imitate him. To follow Jesus is to look to him as our role model and to go and do likewise. Now, we can't imitate God's authority. We can't imitate his power. We can't imitate his glory or his status. That is for him and him alone. When we pray, we pray for miracles and we believe for miracles, but we pray in his name. It is his power that we're praying for. We do not possess that power. So when we talk about imitating, I certainly don't mean we imitate the power or the status or the authority of God. That is for him and him alone. What I am talking about is that there are some qualities that God has that as people made in his image, we can reflect. Jesus concluded a number of his parables with go and do likewise. Paul writes to the Ephesian church and others, imitate God in everything. Part of following Jesus is imitating him. There's a giant number of these qualities or aspects of God's character that we could and should imitate. God's compassion, his generosity, that God's protective, he's merciful, he's patient, He's responsible, and the list goes on and on. And these are all qualities that we should seek to replicate and imitate in our lives as followers of Jesus. Now, lucky for everyone here, I've got this all figured out, and I emulate this perfectly. But please don't ask Megan to verify that, okay? She gets kind of confused with the questions sometimes. But this is part of the journey. Is that growing and imitating God and growing in godliness and that character reflecting who he made us to be more and more. That's a part of following Jesus, a part of the journey. And the aspect of God's character I want to hit on today that was really on my mind as I was praying, getting ready for this morning, is I want to talk about the fact that God is trustworthy. God is trustworthy. God is sincerely, earns the trust of people that put their faith and their confidence in him. And likewise, We can sincerely earn the trust of people around us. We can be trustworthy people. The Bible repeatedly describes God as being trustworthy, and this is one of the ways that we're called to imitate Him in our day-to-day lives. And as I was contemplating this whole thing, I started wondering about what's the opposite of trustworthy? Now, the obvious answer is being untrustworthy, but that wasn't really helpful for me as I was thinking about it today because we become untrustworthy as a result of other things. We don't commit ourselves to being untrustworthy. It kind of happens because of other factors. No one consciously or unconsciously wants to be untrustworthy. So I started thinking about it a little bit more, and I started to think that what we value instead of trustworthy, which can take our desire and our uh, pursuit of being trustworthy, what can take that place is the desire to be admired. So being trustworthy is how we're perceived by other people. It's the reputation that we've earned, honestly. But then instead of being trustworthy and instead of focus on building a reputation and mimicking the characteristics of God that would make us trustworthy, instead we settle for being admired. It's two different ways of of how people perceive us, how people treat us, the kind of reputation that we have. And I want to look at a number of different Bible verses today that speak to this. But I want to start off in Philippians 2. A lot of you all know this passage well. It's very, very, very popular. Philippians 2, starting verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. 
Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. How can we live selflessly if we're consumed with impressing other people, if we're consumed with being admired by others? Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. It's what we just read. How can we have a humble spirit if we want people to admire us and recognize just how much better we are than them? In our desire to have the same attitude of Christ Jesus, which is what Paul has told us, we need to give our energy and attention to being trustworthy and doing the things and being the person that builds trust. I've never been tempted or distracted or blindsided or wrestled with being more trustworthy. By living by the way that builds trust with people around me, it's never been a temptation to go too far with that stuff. But I have been tempted and distracted and blindsided and I've wrestled with the desire to be admired. And it meant that I failed to have the same attitude as Jesus and I fed my selfishness and pride. Being trusted is more important than being admired. Being trusted is more important than being admired. Now both of these, they relate to how we're perceived by those around us and it's a question about what we value. What is it that we're building our life towards? And if you look at it as if it were a choice, we can either be admired or we can be trusted. You tell me which you'd rather people say about you. Would you rather people say about you that they're blown away with your accomplishments? Or would you rather they say that they're confident that you're the same person in every room? Would you rather someone say that they think we know more than anyone else on a certain subject? Or would you rather they say that they know we can be depended on in a tough time? Would you rather people say that they're amazed at our talent and charmed with our charisma? Or would you rather that they say they believe what we say because they know we don't say things that we don't mean? Would you rather people say about us that they think our social media is just absolutely awesome and it accurately portrays just how wonderful we are? Or would we rather people say that they're more interested in seeing how we maintain our character rather than just getting ahead? Let's take Paul's words to the Philippians seriously. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Don't look out only for your own interests, but have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, looking out for the interests of others, not just ourselves. There's a number of other Bible verses I want to share with you. This one from Galatians. Paul writing again. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Paul again to the Thessalonians. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. And then back in 1 Samuel, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. What we just read is that pleasing people and being the servant of Jesus are in conflict. That getting empty praise from people is a pointless goal. The people may be concerned with the surface stuff, but God is interested in building character and integrity. Being trustworthy is a matter of character, but it's clearly seen by those around us. Being a trustworthy person is observable. A few more verses, this one from Proverbs. A good name earned by honorable behavior, godly wisdom, moral courage, and personal integrity is more desirable than great riches, and favor is better than silver and gold. Philippians 4, 5, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Peter writes this, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of your doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. 
having a good name, a deserved reputation for being trustworthy and honorable is more valuable than riches. People, they observe a strong character. When your faith and your integrity align, it will point people to God. And we can be admired for any number of reasons, but we're only trusted because of strong character. Being admired is fleeting, but being trusted takes time to achieve. We can admire someone the second we pull up next to them at a stoplight, but trust is a lot harder to give because it has a deeper substance. Strong relationships aren't built on admiration. The strongest and healthiest relationships have deep levels of trust. When we imitate someone we admire, it's probably because we want what they have. When we imitate someone we trust, it's because we want to be the kind of person they are. As we've read, God, if one person claps, we all have to. As we read, God is far more interested in the person you and I are becoming rather than the ways we can wow the people around us. Live committed to being trustworthy, not consumed with being admired. Live committed to being trustworthy, not consumed with being admired. And just this week, I, I came across a video on YouTube, and it was uh, an author that I've read a number of his books named Simon Sinek. He's an interesting guy. He's got some interesting ideas. But he was talking about some uh, consulting work he'd done with the Navy SEALs. So he's done some work with the Navy SEALs, and he posed to them a question of, how do you select Navy SEALs? Who's going to get promoted? Who gets to go on Team 6? Who, how do you select the best of the best? How do you identify the people with the qualities that is going to enable you to promote them with confidence? And the Navy SEALs went on to explain to this guy who I was listening to that they, they essentially draw a graph, and on one axis, it has performance. And then on the other axis, it has trust. Now, the optimal person, the best person to have, if we could pick anything in an ideal world, on those two axes, you would have someone that's high in performance and high in trust. That's the perfect person. If we could find those, sold. He says what typically happens in businesses, the natural instinct, is that we're looking for someone to promote, we're looking for someone to put in position of authority, we'll find someone that has high performance, and we're willing to compromise on the trust. And what they found through research, and this guy went into some more details, fascinating, what he found is that no matter what area of leadership, if you promote people that are high performers, but they've got low levels of trust, not quite sure they mean what they say, not quite sure they're not exaggerating. Not quite sure they're covering their tracks. Those low levels of trust, those people end up being toxic and destroy the team. He says that it's inevitable that this happens. So much so that the Navy SEALs, now I'm not a military personnel, but I know that the military does not mess around trying to get this wrong. They work very, very hard to get this right. And the Navy have decided that they would rather promote someone that is lower down the totem on performance if it means they've got a higher level of trust. Because we can train skills, we can teach people skills, but if trust is missing, you can't build much. I am sad to say, I've seen this at play in church leadership. I've seen pastors that are naturally gifted communicators, that have got the ability to rally a crowd, that have got the ability to lead people and cast big vision and sell it big only to be absolutely devastating when it comes to their trust and their character. They've got competency. They've got ability. But their character is absolutely shot to pieces. Devastating to watch the after effects of that. 
of the crash and burn. It's awful to see. Conversely, I've also seen in church leadership people that have a moderate level of gifting, moderate level of ability, but their character is strong. God can work with that. God can bless that. God can bring increase to that. God can use that to be effective. God can bring the right people around. God can stretch capacity with that kind of person. But trust is underrated. Unfortunately, we've elevated being admired. Today, I want to put to you, we need to reshift our focus and live committed to being trustworthy, not consumed with being admired. I want to read you the, the only verse that we have in the Bible that gives us any insight into Jesus' teenage years and even into his 20s. is from Luke 2. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, if this was the only thing you had ever heard about Jesus, what would you know? If that's the only verse you heard, you didn't know anything else from the New Testament, you didn't know anything else about the history, the man of Jesus, all you knew is this verse, that he grew in favor with God and people. What would you know? You would know that he was a person of high quality character. Because you do not grow in favor with people if your character is shot to pieces. This is, if this is all you knew about Jesus, you would know that he is a person of quality character. People that have low levels of trust and people we just don't quite trust, and we're not quite tracking with them. We don't trust those people. We don't like being around them. We distance ourselves from those people that we suspect they have nefarious motives. If you work with someone you don't trust, you're on guard around them. You're careful with what you share. But when we're the kind of people who should be trusted, who deserve to be trusted, our word is given value. People are more amicable towards us. We gain respect, not based on anything superficial, but because of things that matter and are consequential. Our heads can be held high because we're not worried about people finding out how we've compromised. Having trustworthy people around when there's a crisis helps bring peace and calm. Having the trust of people opens up honest communication. When there's trust, relationships are respectful and our consciences are clear. Being admired too often just means someone wants what you have. It's shallow. It's a weak foundation. It's an empty promise. And there's a way to know that what I'm saying is accurate. And it's by going back to Christianity 101, with the words of Jesus, do unto others as you would have them do to you. Do unto others as you'd have them do to you. That very simple course in ethics and morality from Jesus causes us to think about how we conduct ourselves in the world, how we treat other people, causes us to look inwards and to look, how do I like being treated? How do I respond when people treat me this way and that way? And how can I adjust my behavior based on what means to me? From Jesus, do unto others you'd have them do to you. Our sense of right and wrong, our daily conduct, it's uncovered by looking inward and thinking about ourselves. Now consider the kind of people we like to be around the kind of people we enjoy spending time with. Of course, it's the people that have the qualities we're describing today. To go a step further, we'll stop talking about this in terms of ourselves. Oftentimes, being self-reflective can be difficult like that. Let's take a rise of ourselves and let's think about it, about the kind of person you would want your son or daughter to marry. Now, my in-laws are here today, so I have to be careful. But what would matter more to you? The person your son or your daughter is looking to marry, turning up in a flash car, or being a safe driver? Having a charming personality, or consistently tells the truth? 
that their friends think they're absolutely awesome, or their boss thinks they're a hard worker, that they have a spectacular wardrobe, or someone who keeps showing up when things get tough. It's plain as day to see that being trusted is better than being admired. And yet, why does this have the potential to drag us down? Why is this appealing? Having the trust of people sounds great to me. It's what we appreciate in others. These are the qualities that we would want to see in the people that our children marry. So why do we so often jeopardize that by desiring being admired and impressing people over being proven trustworthy and having integrity? A couple of things that came to me as I was thinking about this is that it feels like it's the path to success. That if I impress people, it'll get me where I want to go. If I suck up to the boss, I'll get the promotion. Being admired, it feeds our ego. Impressing someone with anything can help us feel better about our insecurities. And here's the world's worst kept secret. We all have insecurities about something. Feeds our ego, helps us feel like we fit in. It also appears easy. To earn trust takes time, but getting some admiration can be a lot easier. For instance, every person here could take $1,000 and use it to impress people. $1,000 can get you some real nice clothes in the wardrobe. $1,000 can get you a pretty decent watch. $1,000 will be a, get you to be able to rent a flash car for the afternoon, be able to get you to buy something impressive from Best Buy. Now, for most people, $1,000 is a lot of money, but it's a lot easier to scrape $1,000 together than earn the sincere trust from people we work with. Getting $1,000 together, using that to get someone to be impressed with us, it's a lot easier than proving how trustworthy we are to our families and our neighbors. In lots of ways, getting admiration isn't the difficult part. If you're consumed with it, I think it's easy to find someone somewhere that will admire us for something. But I want to read a passage to you, and at this point, Jesus is addressing people specifically who want to impress people with their extreme spirituality. From Matthew 6, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Down to verse 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people would admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Now the promise from Jesus is that if you're consumed with impressing others, you will achieve it. If you want to impress people, you will. Jesus is talking about there being a reward from the heavenly father. You miss out on it if all we're consumed with is impressing people. What's this reward? I don't know, but I'd like to find out. But if we're consumed with impressing people, that's all the reward we'll ever get. That's the promise from Jesus. 
Pretty recently, um, the church, we have a social media page. We use Instagram. We use Facebook. And on Instagram, they've recently started doing something called Instagram Reels. If you don't know what an Instagram Reel is, uh, it's basically Instagram pretending to be TikTok. If you don't know what TikTok is, ask your grandchild. But Luke will take some time and he'll put together an Instagram Reel. It's a short video that goes on Instagram. And he puts together these short videos. Oftentimes it's a small portion of the message or uh, something that we want to communicate. Yesterday something went up about how much God loves you and it's a reminder that God loves you and we put those up there. And what's amazing about these Instagram Reels is I have no idea how, and Luke tried to explain it to me, but he's smarter than I am. But we've had like thousands of people watching these. Like, I think one of the videos that, you know, we've done has got, you know, 8,000 people. Pastor Lisa did a video, and we took part of her sermon from a few weeks ago and put it up there. Thousands of people watched it. Do you know how easy it would be to let that go to our heads? Becoming social media influencers. Thousands of people checking out what's happening in our church in Baldensville, New York. It's amazing how we can let that get in hold of us. I don't think that's the right response. At the same time, I don't think the right response is, look how terrible it is that all these people are watching our church. But in this whole question about how we should respond to life and wanting to be trusted and not being consumed with being admired, what makes sense to me and what I would say as of today, the best conclusion I can come to is the appropriate response is being neutral. When people admire us, It's not responding with, oh good, this is the most important thing in the world. But on the other hand, I don't think it's the right response either to be like, oh no, I'm being admired, I've got to do something to stop that. I think the right response is neutral, is remembering that our value is not attached to how admired we are or are not. Our character is not swayed up or down depending on how admired we are or are not. Being admired in of itself is not an evil thing. There are people that I admire, and I don't think it's evil to do that. Where it starts to get tricky, we start to get ourselves in hot water, is when that admiration, it starts to drive us. It starts to be something we pursue. It becomes way more important than it should be. It means more to us than is healthy. Whether we get hundreds of views on Instagram Reels, or whether we get thousands of views on Instagram Reels, if we start taking that personally, something went wrong. From the verse we read today, it's clear that impressing people or being won over by flattery, or calling attention to ourselves, or living to be admired. If that's the highest aim we have, it's an empty goal. The most reasonable response to admiration is neutral. Neutral means that the volume of applause doesn't affect us. It doesn't affect our sense of value. The pursuit of admiration doesn't cause or compromise our character if we're neutral about it. And how do we know if our value comes from admiration, or whether it comes from our drive to be trustworthy. Honestly ask yourselves, which of these would encourage you the most? I wish my car was as awesome as yours, or I know when I tell you something that you'll keep it to yourself. Everyone at the office thinks you're the man, or if you tell me something I don't want to hear, I never question whether you have my best interest in mind. Where did you get those shoes? Or It's good to have you on the team because I know I can depend on you. The pictures you posted online looked amazing. Or, hey, I've been thinking about what you were saying. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. Or, if you say that's what happened, 
then that's all I need to know. If we truly believe the message of Jesus, that humanity is created in God's image, and yet sin has corrupted and distorted our relationship with God and each other, the message that we need a Savior who can fix our broken relationship with God and teach us how to live with each other. If you believe that God, motivated by love, became humanity by sending His Son, who would pay the price on the cross that you and I could never pay, and when Jesus died on the cross, He took upon Himself the sins of the world, and then when He rose from the dead three days later, that He defeated the power of sin and death once and for all, and that He made it possible for anyone who places their faith in Him and giving Him the central role in their lives has the right to be called a child of God. If we believe that, surely that is where our sense of value and self-esteem should come from. That the Creator of the universe, that the Creator of the universe demonstrating His love for me this should help me reestablish my value and my self-esteem in Him. Having people trust us is important, but having a heart after God that's desiring our conduct to be approved by Him, that's more important. Wanting to do the right thing because I'm secure in my relationship with Him, that matters most. It's amazing as we talk about needing to be trust and the importance of imitating God and being trustworthy and proven trustworthy. People that understand the importance of trust is con artists. And con artists, they'll attempt to gain, uh, you know, normally financially by manipulation and deception. There was one guy I read about, his name was Victor Lustig. And he's famous uh, because he sold the Eiffel Tower twice. The Eiffel Tower was erected in Paris in 1889. There was a World Fair that happened there. And so the uh, Eiffel Tower was erected as part of that World Fair. And then fast forward to the 1920s, and now the Eiffel Tower is a few decades old. It hadn't been maintained. It was starting to be dilapidated. It was a bit of an eyesore. The people in Paris really started to resent the Eiffel Tower being there. It was a point of contention. This guy saw an opportunity and decided to take advantage of it. So he put together some fake documentation saying that he was a government official. He was not. And he then went around to scrap metal workers saying that the city of Paris wanted the Eiffel Tower removed. They did not. And he then took these scrap metal dealers on a tour around the Eiffel Tower and said to them, would you like to buy it? To which the scrap metal workers looked around. I don't know the exact number, but I'm sure there's a lot of metal in the Eiffel Tower. So they said, yeah, we'd like to buy your Eiffel Tower gave him money, this happened twice, they were so embarrassed, they never reported it. I don't know about you, but if someone had convinced me to buy the Eiffel Tower, I'd be embarrassed too. <laughs> Imitating God, being trustworthy, it isn't driven by selfish agendas. Maybe being trusted is advantageous, but that's not the point. If you gain people's trust illicitly, that's not imitating God. It shouldn't be about controlling the outcome. It should be about being a faithful person. It's about being the kind of person who should be trusted. With people who abuse trust, the mask eventually slips, and it's difficult to put it back on. Victor Lustig, the guy that sold the Eiffel Tower, even though he pulled off this stunt and a bunch of others, including conning Al Capone out of $5,000, he died alone in prison. He manipulated people to trust him, but none of us can say he truly ever got ahead. 2 Corinthians 8.21, we care about doing the right thing, not only in the Lord's eyes, 
but also in the eyes of other people. It's possible to focus on winning the trust of people with selfish or malevolent motives, but if it's driven by a desire to do the right thing in both the eyes of God and people, it keeps us truly worthy of trust and it positions us for blessing. Jesus promises to the people driven by wowing people with their super spirituality that they may get the applause of people, but there is a reward from God that they will miss out on. Back to Matthew 6. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your heavenly Father. That sentiment is repeated three more times in that passage from Matthew 6. But by living a life of integrity and honor, we open ourselves up for blessing. If you want the admiration of people, you'll get it. That's the promise from Jesus but you'll miss out on the reward and blessing and favor of God. Selfishly seeking admiration pushes God's favor away. Quietly building a trustworthy life positions us for God's blessing. If we take this to heart, if we decide this is actually something we're gonna let challenge us and it's gonna cause us to reflect a little bit and cause us to adjust in a few places and be honest enough and brave enough to say, you know what? yeah, this actually needs something I need to think more about, something I need to pray about, something I need to reflect on. If we did this as a church, think about how the community would look at Word of Life. The community would be more inclined to listen to our message of hope. We could help more and more people in our community if we have a strong reputation. Word of Life can be a part of helping people in significant, deep crisis, all sorts of ways. We can share the message of Jesus and minister effectively with our heads held high because we don't know, we know, we don't have ulterior motives. We're not up to anything. We just want to show the community we love them. If word of life has earned trust, then when there's a crisis, we can help bring peace and calm. Having earned the trust of people, it means that we can have open, honest communication with our neighborhood. Word of life can enjoy a relationship with our community that's respectful and dignified. Because we're imitating God, He's our role model, He's trustworthy. So as His followers, as His church, we will do the same. We will honor God by being trustworthy. I've got four ways, four ways to be to build trust. Four ways to be. Now naturally, I'm a trusting person. And as I've gotten older, that's changed a little bit. Just yesterday, I had someone uh, friend me on Instagram that went on to pretend to be Bob Dylan. And then Bob Dylan said, if I give him $1,500, he will give me a VIP pass to be able to go and hang out with him after one of his concerts and have dinner together. Now there's a small chance it was true, so I handed over that money so quick. That really did happen though, that wasn't a joke. But if we ask people, are you trustworthy? My guess is that most people would say yes. You are just to put to people, are you trustworthy? My guess is most people would say yes. But I saw some research this week and this was from, uh, conducted in 2018. And this research concluded that 71% of Americans say they don't trust other people. So most people would say they're trustworthy. But also most people would say, yeah, I don't trust people. There's a disconnect somewhere. There's a disconnect somewhere. And if we're gonna turn this around in our lives and as a church, there are four things I wanna to put to you that I believe are gonna be helpful. Are we okay with four things? Four ways to be, to build trust. Number one, be consistent. 
be consistent. We all have multiple opportunities to be inconsistent, to compromise, to fudge the truth, to be one person in one room and another person in another, to be one person with this group of friends and another person at work, one person on Sunday morning in church and another person Monday morning at work. Not that anybody in our church would ever do that. There are some words we'll say with this person and then we'll watch our language around another person. Again, not that anybody would do this, except Mike Chiz. But I want to put to you, a goal for everyone is to be the same person in every room with every audience. You're the same person with this group of friends, with coworkers, with people from church, with a sports team you're a part of, when you're at this meeting, when you're at the store, you are consistently the same person. Building trust, number one, be consistent. Four ways to be to build trust. Number two, be principled. We talked about being consistent in conduct, but now I want to say be consistent and principled in judgment. It's well observed that we live in a divided country at the moment. And I honestly think that one way we can start bridging the gap is to be principled and consistent in those principles. Playing cover for the person you voted for while calling for the person you didn't vote for to get the hangman doesn't build trust. We will defend to death the political party we like and the single slip up from the one we don't that completely destroys communication. It completely destroys trust. If we will explain away the bad behavior of some and we will call for the head of others, destroys trust, destroys trust. If we're principled and we're consistent, what's right is right, what we believe is fair is fair, what we believe, no matter whose name it is, no matter what we're talking about, no matter what the conversation, no matter who the different parties are involved, no matter what it is, if we are principled, people may not agree with us, but it builds trust. It builds trust because we are demonstrating that we are principled instead of being flighty. In today's climate, when everyone is looking for a fight about something, remaining principled will start to gain trust. Four ways to build trust. Number three, be honest. Be honest. There is not a single person in all of human history who likes the feeling of being lied to. It doesn't matter whether it's a toddler swearing up and down that they're not the person who ate all the cookies, or whether it's someone lying to cover a national scandal. Everybody hates being lied to. But statistically, people lie multiple times a day just by habit. If we value being admired, then lying is no big deal. If we want to impress people and exaggerate how awesome we are, a few lies here and there might seem like no big deal. But if we truly value being trusted, then lying is off the table. Deceiving people, misleading people, manipulating, it's not an option. I've said this to youth groups before and I found it real helpful then and thought it'd be helpful to share with you today. Tell the truth and live a life that makes it easy to tell the truth. Tell the truth and Live a life that makes it easy to tell the truth. It's no fun living like you have to keep up the story. It's no fun living hoping that you don't get busted. Simple honesty always ends in more peace in your life. And when others see you consistently act with honesty, resisting the temptation to mislead, to spin, to exaggerate, or just bald-faced lie, you will earn the sincere trust from people. If you resist the temptation to cover your mistakes, to make excuses, 
but instead just living transparent and honest. It will build trust. Four ways to build trust. Number four, be dependable. Be dependable. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Is your word your bond? When you promise your children something, do they know that you'll follow through? Does your boss know that you're one of the people on the team that will do more than the minimum expectations? When someone needs help, can they depend on you? Being dependable has nothing to do with gifting or charisma. It's simply about character. Is this a guarantee that people will automatically trust you if you do these four things? No, but it does give you the best shot and it's based on something truthful and honest to be consistent, principled, honest, and dependable. Philippians 2, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Book of Proverbs, a good name, earned by honorable behavior, godly wisdom, moral courage, and personal integrity is more desirable than great riches, and favor is better than silver and gold. From Peter, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Second Corinthians, we care about doing the right thing, not only in the Lord's eyes, but also in the eyes of other people. If we're living like this, if this is how we're building our lives and people don't trust us, it's not our fault. But if we're consistent, principled, honest, dependable, then we got a good shot of earning the trust of the people closest to us and the people around us. These are the qualities that we appreciate in others. We should take seriously the words of Jesus and literally do unto others as you would have them do to you and pray that he helps us become this type of person. The values, trust, over being admired. A couple of questions for you. Hopefully you have a chance this week to reflect on these, pray about these, perhaps talk to your spouse about. But the first one, do you value being admired too much? Do you value being trusted enough? Do you value being admired too much? Do you care too much about what other people say? Is your value connected to the perception of others? Is your value being set by the admiration and how well you can impress others? Do you value being trusted enough? Do we need to shift our focus into asking ourselves, how can we build trust, honest, sincere trust in the people around us? Second question, what can you start doing to build trust? What can you start doing to build trust? Being the same person, no matter who you're with. Being principled and fair, especially in conversations about explosive topics. Telling the truth being a dependable, solid person. What can you start doing to build trust? I started off by saying that we're talking about being a follower of Jesus and following Jesus means we're imitating him and that he's the one that we look to. He's the role model that we're looking to. Something about Christianity that doesn't make sense until you believe this one thing and this one thing that you need to believe, if this whole Jesus thing is gonna make sense to you, if the message is gonna make any sense at all about why following him is worth doing, need to get to the point of believing, understanding, and agreeing that we're imperfect, we're messed up. From there, we need to understand and believe and hear that God loves us so much that he wants to be involved in fixing that up. That's why he sent his son. If we don't believe we need a savior, 
The good news is not good news. It's just ordinary. But if we believe that we desperately need a savior, then the opportunity to follow Jesus is the greatest news anyone could ever tell you. It was, let me try and count now. I think it was nearly 19 years ago. I made the decision to follow Jesus. And as much as I joke about it, I am definitely not perfect. If you haven't figured that out yet, it's because we haven't spent much time together. I'm not perfect, but I promise this, I love God. He has done amazing things in my life. He has set me free. He has done a work, and I want to look to Him, and I want to imitate Him, and I want to reflect His goodness in my life. He has blown me away over the last 19 years by what He can do with somebody that is willing to trust Him. He has proven Himself trustworthy. So I want to put to you the same question I heard 19 years ago in a church in the UK. I want to give you a chance to make the decision to follow Jesus. Everything we've talked about today, hopefully it's helpful, but it needs a starting point. This starting point is the decision to follow Jesus, is to recognize you need a Savior and that Jesus Christ is indeed the Savior of the world. So I want to invite everyone here. If you don't mind closing your eyes, bowing your heads, this is just to give some privacy and discretion to people around you and help us focus on what really matters right now. But if you be honest enough and you be brave enough to say, Tom, you know what? I'm not following God, but I want to start. I know there's something inside me that is aware that knows I need a Savior, and I believe that Jesus died for me. If you're at that point, I would love to pray for you today. I give you my word. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to do anything that's going to be something you regret on the way home. But I'd love to pray for you when we all pray together in just a moment. So if this is you today, if you mind just putting your hand up just so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you. Anyone else here? Wonderful. Online, you can just push that button. I raise my hand. Thank you. I did see that hand. Thank you. Wonderful. Anybody else here today? Amen. I'm pausing just for a moment. If this is for you, please don't let this moment pass by. Anyone else here today? Wonderful. Amen, amen. Come on, Word of Life. Can we please celebrate people making the best decision they could ever make? Amen. Well, we're going to pray a prayer together. We do this at the end of every service. The words are on the screen. I invite everyone here to pray along. And if you're one of those people that put your hand up, I want to ask you to pray this, believing that a prayer like this has the power to change things. So come on, everybody. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you to be Lord of my life. Help me follow you every day. I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, one more time, everybody. Let's celebrate with people.